good to have you here this morning. My name's Lad. I'm one of the teachers here at K2. It's good to have you with us here this morning. We're talking about the opposite way. We're talking for a number of weeks now about how God so often calls us to an opposite direction, an opposite way than we planned. And uh, we kind of started this off really as we came back together as a church. If you've just joined us, uh, we, up until a couple months ago, were two campuses, and we just joined back together, and we're looking forward to the amazing things that God has for us together. We want to be a church that's constantly reproducing the faith and the peace and the mercy and the grace that God's given us, giving his love to the world, and actually seeing, seeing his life grow in others, see other people come to follow him and believe in him and walk with him and and multiply that into other people. And uh, that's the kind of church that we are and want to be more and more. And we're looking forward to all the ways that God is going to do that in the future. And uh, for now, coming back together and, and asking God, how do we multiply more so that we would literally see hundreds of churches planted up and down this valley and in and out of this Wasatch Range. That's our vision. And so we're glad you're here with us this morning. Um, hey, a couple of things. Uh, as you look on your seats, there's a contact card. And if it's your first time here, or your second time here, or your 22nd time here, if there's something that, that you don't know yet about K2 and you'd really like to have figured out if, uh, if there is there's something that you need prayer for, uh, something you want us to pray for you for, if there's a way that we can serve you or help you out as a church, uh, if you want to get your kids involved in ministry, or maybe you're looking around and you see uh, some part of the ministry that you'd really like to get involved with, maybe you'd love to help us in our parking lot or with students or something like that, that contact card is a way for you to write that information down. At the end of the day, we're going to, uh, we'll take offering and the connections team will be around. Just put that in there and that'll come to our office and we will, uh, we'll get with you this week. So uh, please feel free to use that. Uh, one other thing, if you are kind of new to K2 and some of this stuff that we're talking about seems a little bit foreign to you, or if you're just thinking, how do I get involved here? How do I get plugged in? I just moved into town. Uh, Discover K2 is for you. Uh, right after this service at 1050, um, r- right, above, uh, right above the back there in the youth room is uh, a group called Discover K2. It meets every week or actually the first, second, and third week of the month. And it's just a 20-minute kind of bagel and coffee conversation about who we are as a church. And I hear from Dave Nelson, our lead pastor. By the way, keep praying for Dave Nelson. Uh, Dave and Susie are on sabbatical this summer, and uh, they're having a great time doing some study and some, some research and praying and asking God forward, getting some good rest in as well for us as a church. And so uh, be praying for them as they're gone for another month or so. All right? We're talking about the opposite way, and uh, last week we talked about mercy. And this week we get to verse 9, and it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And as we started out, we said uh, with a great song, Let Love Rule, and that's really what peace is. Uh, Peace isn't just the absence of present screaming. It's not just, do you know the difference in your house between peace in your house and just um, rearming, right? Do you know what I'm saying? Like most of the peace that we have in the world is simply people building up their, their military, right? Getting ready for the next conflict. And, and real peace is, is actually the place and the time where love rules, 
It's not simply, uh, have you ever been in one of those conversations where you really aren't listening and you're just thinking about how you're going to go back, you're going to shoot back? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and peace is actually at the place where love is ruling. And we're going to talk about that this morning. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for bringing us here this morning. And it's our desire, God, uh, not to just know more stuff, uh, not just to be uh, encouraged as we check in that this is where we were on Sunday morning, um, but God, that you would come more and more into our lives that, as Ephesians 3 says, that you would be more and more at home in our heart. And and that we would walk more and more with you and that the fruit of, of you would be on our lips and our actions um, as you transform us and as you renew our mind. And God, we can't do that on our own, so we come to you. We ask that by your Holy Spirit, you would teach us your word and that you would help us uh, in this because, um, God, we're so prone to love ourselves and with all of us loving ourselves, Oh, we have a lot of conflict, and we have a lot of headbutting and a lot of fighting. And so, God, uh, we come before you. I ask that you teach us and shape us and change us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Peace is is something that most of us would assent to liking or wanting, and all of us probably have a different perspective on how to go about getting that. And when we think about peace, we usually think about military and we think about nations and conflict. Um, but the reality is, is that peace has a lot to do with our relationships and our relationship to God. And really that's the heart of what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about peacemakers. And, and I want to take even further just to understand right from the start that Jesus isn't saying blessed are peaceful people. He's saying, blessed are people who make peace, okay? You could be a very peaceful person. How many of you guys remember, um, oh, I don't even remember the name of it now. I just lost it. Um, remember uh, Castaway, the movie Castaway? And the guy is on the tropical island and he's eating sushi and coconuts all the time, right? And uh, some of you, like in the middle of a Sunday morning with your kids, you're like, oh, for a castaway moment, you know? You would love to be alone. And, and he didn't really even have peace because what did he want? He wanted to get out. He didn't have peace there. But, but in theory, you could be a castaway and you could be on an island and you could be completely peaceful, right? But you wouldn't be a peacemaker in the sense that there's, there's no conflicted situation for you to enter in and to make peace. Do you understand that that's what we're talking about here? Blessed are people who, who go into a situation and make peace. They go into conflict and make peace. And we're going to find out that's because that's what Jesus does. That's what God is like. God goes into conflict and he makes peace there. So blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Um, we think about peace, and, and the reality is, is that there's not lots of peace. We, we get moments of peace, and some of us get more of them than others, but, but when we don't walk in real love for one another, when really letting love rule, we find, we find conflict. 
and we find a lack of peace in our lives. How many of you know people that, that don't understand why conflict always follows them? Do you know what I mean? You know some people maybe at work, definitely not in your family because you're sitting with them right now, but you know some people that conflict is always around them and they feel like they're a victim to conflict. Do you know any people like that? Yeah. And, and everybody around them can see what? That you're in the center of a lot of conflicts. Um, have you ever, I don't know, I, ha- I have four boys. I don't know if you have uh, any kids or more than one, but maybe you have some nephews or nieces or, or maybe you just know about the idea of kids. And, uh, and so I have four boys and all of us have good days and bad days, right? And so when you have four kids and you're able to observe that pattern, um, there's days that, you know, one of them will have a bad day. And it's amazing in the context, I mean, there's days that more than one of them, but on a day that only one of them has a bad day, um, you can watch it happen. And that one will go and they'll have cereal at the table. And somehow there is a fight with the other one at the table right there. And then they'll go downstairs and they'll be getting ready for school. And there's a fight over there with a different one, right? And wherever that person goes, conflict happens, right? Why? Because they have conflict, right? They, they take it with them. And so that's not rocket science, but at the same time, you and I, we have the opportunity to be peacemakers, all right? And, and Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Person, a peacemaker is a person who restores peace between people. Uh, literally, um, the, the idea is that they would go into relational conflict between either God and a person or a person and a person and create peace, okay? It's not to the, not to the extent, uh, it's not that it's not talking about peacemaking internationally or between nations, but primarily this is relational between God and man and man and man or woman and woman, all right? Romans 12, 17 through 19 is gonna come up on the screen and I want you to, uh, to read this. Uh, Romans 12, 17 to 19. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Paul continues, and um, in verse 18, he says, uh, If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. And so Paul's talking to Christians and he just simply says, as, as best as it is possible with you, live at peace with everyone. In fact, uh, Paul goes on later to tell Timothy, he says, the way you interact with people about the truths of God's word, the, the way you interact about life and about, about God's truth is you act gently and you act peacefully. He says, as best you can, be at peace with everybody, right? And and what does, when you are at peace, what does Paul say here in this, in verse 19, if verse 19 can come back up, he says, uh, he says, when, when you act at peace with everybody, who do you invite into the situation? You invite God into the situation. When I act at peace with you, then I trust God with, if God needs to correct me, if God needs to correct them, it, then I invite God into the situation. And so for us as Christians, Paul just says, listen, 
peace ought to be the way you roll. Peace ought to be the way you talk and walk. If you are a person who says, man, I'm a follower of Jesus, and, and you have conflict everywhere you go, at home, at work, on the highway, at the convenience store, in line, somebody cuts you off, and you have that kind of, con- if, if that's you, man, we got to talk. Because you don't get the way God's called you to walk in peace. And really the gift of peace that he's given to you. All right? So that's where we're going. He wants us to be peaceful people in the sense that we make peace in the relationships around us. Um, but, but we invite God into the situation when we act in peace. Because when we act in, in wrath, trying to fix it, when we act in anger, trying to sort it out, be it for our good or, or for what we, we perceive to be their good, we, we keep God out of it. So anyways... Um, Let's, let's keep going. Let's look at a couple things that peace isn't. Because peace, first of all, is not without truth. Okay? Jesus doesn't, um, Jesus doesn't leave people at peace in their sin and lostness. Okay? As Jesus walked on earth, right, uh, he did not allow people to stay completely in the opposite direction of God and, and say they're at peace right? When Jesus interacted with people, they either felt angry or they felt convicted. All right? They, they, do you understand what I'm saying? Remember, um, remember the folks that Jesus would hang with, the religious folks would say, man, he, he spends all his times with drunks and prostitutes and sinners. And, and those people, every time they interact with Jesus, they're overwhelmed with his love for them. They're overwhelmed with the fact that man, there is truth and authority there. And I'm compelled to believe that this is God. And they're convicted of their sin. And then people who are real self-righteous and religious and they're confident, they often found themselves opposed to Christ and opposed to the the grace and the freedom and the forgiveness that he gave. So Jesus didn't allow people um, to remain lost and call it peace. So that's first thing. Peace, secondly, is not passive and simply avoiding. It's kind of like our king. Here, the king in our story. Great story. And, and a lot of us, it's easy to avoid conflict, isn't it? It's easy to see conflict and, and take the other passage at work. See conflict over here and, oh, I'm going to avoid that. Especially if avoiding peace is beneficial for you like it was for the king. See, he didn't just avoid conflict he avoided conflict in his own interest, right? And, and you and I can do that same kind of thing. Um, the simple thing when you get 10 extra bucks in your change at dinner and, and then the waitress is busy and you can't find her. Maybe she went on break and uh, it's just too complicated to enter back into that and, you know, it'll sort itself out, right? Um, or, or maybe at, at work, you have two employees who are in a conflict and they just cannot work it out. And the easiest way to seemingly avoid it is to, is to just get rid of the one that, that you don't like as much, right? And, and you allow it to explode or you avoid it and you don't enter in. You don't enter in and make peace. Is entering into a conflicted situation and creating peace, is that an easy thing to do? No, it's so easy to avoid. And most of us only, only get involved when there's enough value for us to be involved, when there's something for us to win. All right? And Jesus, the Prince of Peace, entered into life and time 
entered into flesh and space, entered into humanity to come and to rescue us. And it wasn't simple. Think about Christ. Uh, He didn't avoid conflict. In fact, when Jesus came into Jerusalem, what often did he do? He intentionally acted in a way that, that the religious people would feel was breaking the law, didn't he? He would heal on the Sabbath. He would have his disciples uh, on the Sabbath again um, eat the tops of the grain as they were walking. He would do things that would push people towards truth, push them out of their comfort zone because the reality is when someone is, is not pursuing God truly, is it peaceful to let them keep going that way? That's uncomfortable, isn't it? See, when, when you're watching a person, when you're watching a person peacefully stroll towards death, maybe you, um, maybe you have little kids or again, uh, and, and you're watching your child walk out towards the street and they're very peaceful. They're having a great time. Uh, is, it, is it peacemaking to let them keep having a great time on their way out to the busy intersection? No, of course not. Why? Because as, as happy as they are strolling along towards the intersection, what's ahead of them? Conflict between them and a car. Okay? And do you understand that allowing people to keep... Jesus doesn't. He enters in and he peacemakes. Um, the people had uh, come to a place where, where actually the temple was quite a profitable marketplace. And the temple was a place of prayer. In fact, the Old Testament says, my house should be a house of prayer. And the temple had become actually a place of great profit. And, and they marked up the sacrifices. And especially if you're coming from out of town and you had to pay more. And, and it was a place that you could make good money if you could get in and have a stall there. And, and the people... They didn't have the spirit of the temple there. And Jesus went in and what did he do? He tore up the... It, it would be, here's what it would be like. It would be like, um, it would be like Jesus coming in here and uh, in the back were uh, selling $6 muffins and um, $4 cups of coffee and you got to buy a ticket to get in the door to be here right? And then, uh, and then after you buy a ticket to get in here, we make sure you give generously on top of that or we don't let you out. And, and Jesus, because that's what was happening, okay? Because they would come to sacrifice and they would have to pay exorbitant fees just to do their sacrifice. And he said, by the way, unless you do the sacrifice, you're not straight with God, okay? And so um, Jesus went into there and what did he do? tore the place up. He's throwing chairs. He's throwing over microphones. He's, he's ripping stuff off the shelves, throwing muffins out on the ground. And that's what he did. And he said, this place, you got it all wrong. And he creates quite a scene. And why does he do that? Is that peacemaking? See, we don't think of that as peacemaking. But Jesus was stirring them up so that they could get to peace with God, so that they could have right relationship with God. And so sometimes peacemaking looks, looks different than you and I typically uh, put a face on it. So peacemaking doesn't avoid conflict um, and isn't afraid of it. 
in Luke 12, 51, Jesus uh, said this further. He says, do you think that I came to bring peace here on earth? Because actually Jesus did. He said to his disciples, he says, I'm going to give you peace. Regularly through his ministry, Jesus says, I will bring you peace. And here what Jesus says is, do you think I came to bring you peace? No, I tell you, but division. Your, your Bible might say, no, a sword. Okay? Jesus says, I didn't come to bring happy, quiet peace at any cost where we don't talk about the real issues. No, real peace divides. Real peace and truth, there's going to be division because some of you will have parents that won't go that way. You'll come to have peace with God and, and your spouse will think you're crazy and it'll create division. Real peace will create division. And so... Um, peace, as he says, peacemaking isn't afraid of that conflict. Ephesians 2, uh, 13 and 18. Here's what Jesus said that he did. Specifically, he said, if you remember 2, 8, 9, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says that, that grace, um, you're saved by grace uh, and you're saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's not by works. No man can boast. And it doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're Jew or Gentile, that's how you get saved is through the gift of God and And right after that, he says, it doesn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile or American or it doesn't matter what you are, all come to Christ the same way, okay? So in Ephesians 2, here's what he says. He goes, but now in Christ Jesus, uh, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ, okay? So you who were, were far away, and he's talking about Gentiles really, he says, when you were far away from God, you've been brought near to God, peace has been made, Okay, between you and God, through what? Through the blood of Christ, through the sacrifice of Christ. He died for our sins. And anybody who, who starts to walk with him and follow him and believes in him, okay, they've been brought near to Christ. Let's keep that scripture up there for me. Um, and so, so they've been brought near through the blood of Christ. And verse 14 continues, for he himself is our peace. See, he himself is our peace who has made the two one is, and is, has, has destroyed the barrier. The barrier between Jew and Gentile. Great cultural conflict. Okay, two groups of people totally at, at odds with each other. So in the group of people, in the church, in the Christians that he's talking to, there's Jews and Gentiles who previously hated each other. Couldn't stand each other. The, the Jews couldn't stand the Gentiles and they couldn't even touch them. They couldn't even be around them. And he says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two one. He's destroyed the barrier between them, the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15. By abolishing uh, in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away, Gentiles, and peace to you who were near, the Jews. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. And so here's what Jesus says, or Paul says. Paul says that Jesus created peace between us and God and because of that, there can be peace between everybody who comes together. All right? There doesn't have to be dividing walls between us that, that we come, we all come to Christ the same way. Some aren't better than others. We all come to him the same way. All right. Also, just continuing. 
Uh, he says this, or I mean, peacemaking is this. It's not in love with conflict. Do you know people who love conflict? Do you know people who love to look for conflict and jump in the middle of that and they're always part of that? Right? And so, not just always creating it, but, but people who are peacemakers, they don't love a fight and love to get into the middle of it and know this side and that side. Peacemakers love what? Peace. <laughs> peacemakers love love and peace. That's their goal. In fact, Jesus says this. He says, the world is going to know that you're the real deal. You're really followers and that I'm truly God's son. If there's what between you? Unity. He says, if there's unity between you, the world is going to look at that and they're going to say, wow, that's, that's amazing that that group of people are unified and they're together and they're going and they're, there is something going on there that I have to know. There's something that is not natural going on there. Do you know, if you look at the statistics of the world and we could list off tons of them about, um, about uh, Christians and uh, all kinds of, all kinds of um, lawsuits and the amount of money and like literally of the group of people, uh, of the percentage of the population that consider themselves evangelical believers, um, the amount of money spent last year on lawsuits is over $20 billion, okay? Um, just in the States alone, right? And, and, um, and so there's a really good book. Let me just recommend this. Uh, a couple things that I'm going to get to at the end. It, Ken Sandy, S-A-N-D-E, uh, The Peacemaker. So if, if you're a person who wants to know more about peacemaking, a uh, great book. Um, first read it 15 years ago and read it again this week. And, and so he says in there, um, he says that in a survey of X hundred number of lawyers, um, he says that there is, is not one that he can tell that says, man, Christians are totally different in conflict than non-Christians, um, just in their experience. And, and so for us, as we approach conflict, we, we, typically, we typically approach it the same way the world does. And, and so being a peacemaker is not somebody who's in love with conflict and loves to get in the middle of it. We're supposed to be people who love unity and love peace. And we're willing to step into it to achieve what? Peace. We're willing to step into conflict to achieve peace. So let's talk about how to do that or why to do that first. Um, first of all, as we said, Jesus was a peacemaker. He promised peace and then he delivered. As soon as Christ raised from the dead, and I know I've said this before, as soon as Christ raised from the dead and his first encounter with the disciples, he greeted them in a way that he had never in the Bible greeted them before. And he said, peace be with you. He had always previously promised peace. And after the tomb, what does he say? Peace be with you. And every time that he greets them, he, great, he greets them, peace be with you. And every time Paul greets the church, what does he say? He says, grace and peace from Jesus be with you. May the grace and peace of Christ be with you. Because peace is accomplished in the forgiveness of our sins. Peace between us and God. So first of all, Jesus was a peacemaker. Secondly, um, Oh, Proverbs twenty eight thirteen says this, people who cover over their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. Okay? Uh, people who always try to hide their faults, who always cover over their sins, um, eventually they're going to run out. Do you know that, I just got to tell you, the, the people that I know who are the wealthiest, um, most brilliant in business, um, they typically have an attitude of wanting to find others who know more than they do. 
and they do. And they, they know some things, but they're pretty humble about trying to find others who know more than they do. And there is a humility with which they approach life and business that ends up making them prosper. But when you try to always cover over your weaknesses, when you try to always be the one who knows it all and cover over your sins, the Bible says you will not prosper. It says you will receive mercy when you confess your sin. Okay, that's part of it. And then do you know what to forsake it means? To confess it and then leave it behind. We all know people who confess their sin over and over and over, right? They say the same thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But they never forsake their sin. They never change, right? And so that's what the Bible says. Confess it and forsake it and receive mercy. Um, in peacemaking, uh, when we go towards peacemaking, we... We find ways for everybody to win. Uh, there's a guy, one of you here owns a business, and uh, you were telling me a while ago that you had a conflict with your, your head manager. And your head manager kind of knew the direction you wanted to go and was excellent at what he did, but he was erratic, and he didn't do the same things over and over, right? And what's one way to avoid conflict with that person? to let your business just continue to fail, okay? And as long as it's kind of above, you know, you want to go up, but you just kind of, to avoid conflict, we're just going to stay with the status quo. Okay, that's one way to avoid it. What's another way to avoid conflict with that person? Fire them. Just get rid of them and get a new one. And you think, wow, that's kind of harsh. Is that avoiding conflict? Well, you see, peacemaking goes into the situation and creates peace there. It's easy to just walk away from that situation by firing the person, right? And so um, you, the, the guy that I'm talking about, um, you went in and, and you listened. And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. You listened for a long time to figure out what was in his heart. What, what was it that he really wanted, right, as a manager? And then this guy, he figured out a brilliant way to incentivize that, that he go in the direction that he, the owner of the company, wanted him to go. The business is thriving, right? But if you don't go into it and listen and not be full of yourself that you know and you understand the best way and I told you what to do and you're not doing it. And do you understand what I'm saying? And he went in and peace made with, with a great manager who just had flaws like the rest of us and just had some issues like the rest of us. And, and the business is thriving and expanding, Okay, because of peacemaking, because of intelligent listening and then figuring out how both parties can win. Does that make sense? All right. Um, another thing. Um, uh, another reason why we should be peacemakers. It's not just a better way to live like I just talked about, um, but conflict between you and somebody else, um, you have problems with God when you have that. Um, if you go to uh, Matthew five twenty three through 24, it says this. Therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, now we don't offer gifts up here at the altar, but it says when you're coming to worship. Okay, when you're coming, and, and the Bible tells us later when we, when we take communion specifically in this regards, but it says when you, when you come to worship and you come here on a Sunday morning, um, this, this is what Jesus says specifically. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, okay? There's a conflict in your life you know about. Maybe you have it against them. Maybe they have it against you. But even if, 
if they have something against you, then it just isn't sorted out and you really haven't tried your hardest and maybe you haven't tried at all. And he says, if you, if you know that your brother has something against you, leave your gift at the altar. First go and be reconciled and then come back with your gift. And so for some of us, this hits us right in the eyes. Peacemaking needs to start in our own life, like right here, right in front of us. And the Bible literally says that some of you right now, the best thing that you could do, because you already know the conflict, it's already going off in your head right now. The best thing that you could do would be to just, to just leave and go sort that out. Go apologize, confess, repent, go sort that out, and then come back next week. And some of us get hit right in the eyes of that because... Because you feel like, well, it's not going to work. You know, it's kind of like peacemaking, like the lowest, the lowest class of peacemaking is where you know you have a conflict with somebody, you don't really like them, you don't really want to sort it out because you kind of can't stand them, but you go through the motions of saying, it's like two brothers, like, sorry, sorry, all right? And you go on with life, right? And you kind of avoid them, and you're definitely not doing life together group with them, and, you know, just, you see them now and again, and, you know. Maybe that. But that's kind of the lowest class of it. But, but here's what God says. God says, if you've got a problem with somebody, it'd be better for you to spend your hour on Sunday morning sorting out that problem than to be here. He says, go and sort that out. So, you know, uh, Peter says the same thing. He says, husbands, if you don't treat your wives gently, I, I don't listen to you. I don't hear you when you talk to me. When you try and talk to me as God, I I don't listen because you don't take care of my daughter. You don't treat her gently. And when there's conflict and you don't, you don't seek to resolve it, you have spiritual problems with God. Let me talk quickly about son and daughter. Um, He says, when... When you are a peacemaker, others will look at you and say, there's a son of God. Okay, it's different than a child of God. A child of God, we're God's kids. We're all made in the image of God. When he says son, uh, literally, it, it means the authority and character of the dad. Okay, does that make sense? Like, uh, it's like if, um, if royalty walked by, right? And you're like, she, she knows she's a daughter of the king. Do you know what I mean? What do I mean when I say that? I mean, she carries herself like royalty. She, she understands that she is a daughter of the king. And she has the character of her father, right? That, that would be how we'd interpret that. And so in the same way, you say, man, there's a son of the king or, or literally a son of God. So peacemakers, they will be known as sons of God because they will have character like their father. Okay? And so... Um, let, me just, let me just share with you a couple of things. First of all, you, you know that later in this sermon, later on in this sermon, Jesus in Matthew 7 is going to say this. He's going to say, um, don't judge or you too will be judged. Okay, you know that verse? Uh, For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. Now, when you peacemake, when you either in your life, maybe you're one of the parties or whether you're helping a couple people peacemake, when you peacemake, do you need to judge? Do you need to think and observe and... 
Yes, you do. Okay? So, so listen carefully to what he is saying and isn't saying. He says, don't judge or you too will be judged. The same way that you judge others, that measure will be measured against you. Why do you look at the speck? And this is the important part, and we're going to get right to this. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye without taking the plank out of your own eye? You say to your brother, hey, let me help you with that speck, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then walk away and live happily ever after. Is that what it says? No, listen. First take the plank out of your own eye so that you will be able to see clearly and remove, help remove the speck from your brother's eye. Could you get that? Our world would take this and say, don't judge and leave it at that. And no, don't judge in a harsh way. First, Repent. Man, get this stuff out of your eyes and, and then come humbly and say, man, I would love to help you because I know all about that. See this wound here? Man, this is my life, right? I, man, I, and if I can be of any service to you, I would love to help you. See, they're totally different. But you don't take the, the plank out of your eye and then live on your own. You are constantly cleaning out your own eyes so that you can help others peacemake with their sin with each other and their sin with God. Okay, so a couple of things. There's, uh, this is from that book, uh, from The Peacemaker. Seven A's of Confession, because this is where peacemaking starts. Peacemaking starts with this humble approach, this confession, repentance approach. And so if you have conflict with somebody, man, I would encourage you to snap a picture of these with your phone or write them down. Um, we'll put them up afterwards. You can come up and snap a picture with your phone. But, but so, first of all, seven days of confession. Ask for forgiveness. Address everyone involved. In, in other words, all of those whom are affected. If you have a conflict with 16 people and you squared away with two, are you sorted out? No, you got 14 more to go, okay? Um, avoid if, but, and maybe. Okay, I'm really sorry, but you tick me off. Okay, that doesn't work, okay? Um, and most of us, our first two or three tries at an apology taste kind of like that, don't they? All right? So avoid those things. Don't try to excuse your wrongs. Literally, in just my experience with confession is that when I own my sin, it usually, not always, I'm just going to tell you, not always, when I own my sin, people usually are, they respond in repentance. Okay, they usually say, oh man, I'm, I was so bad to you. You know what I mean? Or like when I own all the sin, like if somebody wrongs me and, and, and I respond wrongly, what am I guilty of? I'm guilty of sinning against them and responding wrongly. And so if I go to them and tell them how upset I am with the way they treated me, what's going to happen? An argument. If I go and say, you know what? I really responded wrongly. I wasn't kind to you. I was angry. I, I turned a cold shoulder to you. Whatever it is, I responded wrongly. Nine times out of ten, when I go and I own 100% that I did wrong, that person is encouraged to repent. It, they just are. So when you go and you use if, and, and but, usually it doesn't happen that way. When you go and 100% own your failure, your weakness, your sin, um, you'll find that peace happens most times. Okay, admit specifically. Be specific about your failures. Who here is going to raise their hand and say, I'm perfect? Not one person. Okay, but when it comes down to conflict, we don't want to admit our failures. We just don't, right? We just don't want to say them. And I don't, 
Some of you are better at that than others. Admit your failures and your sins specifically. Acknowledge how you've hurt them and probably made them feel. So when, when I didn't show up, it, it probably hurt you. I know I left you hanging, and, and again, I'm sorry. Walk in their shoes. It's called empathy. Put their shoes on and how it felt to be treated that way by you. Accept the consequences. Okay? Sometimes you've got to pay the debt. Sometimes... Sometimes there's a period of trust. I, I know you're not going to trust me for a while. I don't trust myself. I, I know there's going to be some time before trust is rebuilt, the consequences. Okay, and then what was that word in Proverbs? All right, you have to change your behavior. All right, you, you not only confess it, but you walk away from it. Change your behavior. So seven A's that might be helpful. So in in peacemaking, and the band is going to come on up, and we're going to we're going to wa- we're going to worship. We're going to close and worship. Um, if those A's are those A's are good, that list is really good. It, if you could listen to the other person, and, and I just got to tell you, man, this uh, this is so challenging. I mean, I don't know. I hope you're not getting the air that I think that I've got this nailed because, man, it's like constant, like, oh, God, I stink at this. Like, oh, this, God, why is this so hard? Like, to the extent that you and I can listen to each other, you know, with your kids, you can, um, you know, you can just avoid conflict. Your kids have conflict and they need you to mediate. They need you to help them and lead them. And it's easier just to to punish one and, or punish them both or do something just to be easy and to avoid it. And, and your family and your community around you, they need peacekeepers. They need peace, people who will listen and understand what's really going on to what really hurts and lead people out of the confusion. Because when you're angry and you're in conflict, you don't see anything straight. And Jesus came into our world and he made peace between us and the Father. And in the same way, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. Because people are going to look around, they're going to say, that person creates peace. If, if this is something going on in your life, I'd love to talk to you or pray about it. Um, we could pray right up here. We could talk later. I would, love, I would love nothing more than a SWAT team of peacemakers here that could teach us how to make peace. Is there anybody here who wouldn't like more peace in their home? Who wouldn't like more peace in their business? Who wouldn't like more creativity about how to bring deep peace and love in their life? Um, anyways, I, I would love that. If, if there's some of you that uh, want to pray afterwards, after we worship, I'd love to pray with you. And uh, my prayer is that we would walk away from here and that we would contemplate what does it look like for us to have just the character of God coming out of us. Just like we said, pockets full of mercy last week. If you were here, we said we should be full of mercy to give out to all those around us, that we would be full of peace and that we would create it wherever we go. All right, let's pray. God, thanks for this. Um, Would you teach us and lead us? God, as we worship, um, God, there's people that we have conflict with that that we need to square it up with. And so God, I, I pray that you would that you would help us to pursue peace and see you make it, see you create peace in our lives. In Jesus' name.